welcome to the Wise Podcast, episode two of the fall 2020 semester. I'm Claudia Hassel, your podcast host, and today we have a very special guest here. I'll let her introduce herself. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Marika, and I'm a third-year medical student at Queen's. I'm originally from Sudbury, Ontario, uh, and I completed my undergrad here at Queen's in the Queen's Accelerated Route to Medical School program, or the QARMS program. And I'm so excited to be here today. Thanks for having me, Claudia. Of course. I'm so excited to have you. All right. So to get us started, we kind of want to talk about what experiences did you have growing up that led you to want to become a woman in STEM and lead you on the path that you are today? Yeah, for sure. So like I said, I'm from Sudbury in Northern Ontario. So all my life since I was like born, I grew up in kind of like open Northern Ontario wilderness, which was uh, pretty amazing. And that you know, fostered a sense of curiosity of the environment around me and kind of why things were the way they were and looked the way they were. And so that was a little bit part of the piece. Um, but I think the second piece that I think is a little bit more substantial is my mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my mom is a biologist. She's specifically okay. an entomologist. Uh, she works at Canada's second largest science center in oh, Sudbury. It's that's North. awesome. Yeah, yeah. it's super. Uh, she's worked there since she was like 14 years old, she started volunteering there. So she's been there for many, many, many years. And Science North at its core is all about informal science learning. And so this right. is science learning that happens, you know, outside of the formal classroom. It's a variety of different experiences, but it encourages, you know, lifelong science curiosity and, and you know, always questioning why mm-hmm. things are the way they are and why they happen the way they do. And so my mom's work very much translated to my everyday life and, right. and my, you know, what I did in my upbringing as a child. Um, so this was anything from like at the dinner table, you know, like eating corn on the cob and talking about, you know, why corn kernels are exactly like 120 degrees. Oh, yeah. Or, right. like, Always learning. Ridiculous, yeah. right? Like <laughs> Things like that. Um, like, you know, camping in Killarney Provincial Park, we would go do the annual butterfly count. And so we would literally go and like catch butterflies, identify them, release oh, wow. them and like write on a data sheet like what type of species they were and we would submit this data to the national butterfly organization okay as like a citizen science project and so this is like literally just what i did like as a for two fun. three yeah four, for fun and i think that's a key thing it was for fun it wasn't like i'm you know i'm stuck in science class doing like a stupid lab mm-hmm. that i don't really want to do or it was just you know this is what i did with my family and it was it was a fun engaging activity uh and it very much fostered this this sense of curiosity yeah. for me um so that was i that was just kind of like what i did as a child and then each summer for like 10 years I would do um like science camps so anything from like chemistry camp to conservation camp like right. knee deep in mud so this is like me from two to like 10 years old always enjoy always it. just Never like a dull moment, yeah. outside doing stuff asking questions and I think that that really helped me develop into a person that was comfortable you know not understanding why something is the way it is and, and feeling okay to ask you know difficult questions and figure that out and it, it helped me become a curious person and a curious scientist whether or not I knew it. And I think that's the key part. Exactly. That's so important to do. I feel like a lot of doctors that I've met in my time, they're just always wanting to learn, always wanting to find out new things, experience different things. And Mm -hmm. everyone has like a certain spark of curiosity in them. And I I can see it in yourself when you're talking about everything and how interesting you find that. Mm -hmm. And it's so incredibly important, especially for a doctor to always want to find out more, learn more, find out new diseases and all of this stuff. And like even this COVID-19 pandemic is something and doctors all around the world are working 
to figure out how do we solve this? What is the background of the disease? What is the structure of the virus and everything like that? Everyone is constantly learning. It definitely seems like you're in the right field. <laughs> your curiosity, it, it's awesome. It's, and so it's definitely true. needed. Yeah. yeah, no, definitely like the biggest trait I think that a good scientist should have for sure. So that was like me as, you know, a child. And then I kind of transitioned to a little bit more of like formalized science in my preteen years. Like this is like me at 11, 12, 13, 14. Um, And that was when I kind of developed like a greater set of mentors, I think, um, at that age. So when I was in grade eight, when I was 14 years old, I did my first science fair project for school. Okay, yeah. Um, And so I remember like racking my brain for weeks trying to figure out what I was going to do. And I came across this TED talk of this fashion designer in, oh, in the wow. UK and yeah. she was making like biodegradable clothing fabric using kombucha, green tea and sugar. Wow. And this is like early kombucha days. Okay. Like there's like you can't buy kombucha at like Shoppers Drug Mart or like the grocery no, it's, store. Like, it's you it's a to, new like, thing. It's weird. This yeah. is like weird bacteria drink that no one knows what it yeah. is. So I had to like ship like cases and cases and cases of this kombucha um, to my house. And so what we did is we did this combination of green tea, sugar and kombucha. Okay. Uh, and we like would create these scobies and dry them out and like see which ones were like the best for biodegradable clothing fabric. Oh, So this wow. is what I did at like 14. And, and this was just purely out of yeah, interest, like yeah. just fueling your mind. Totally. And it was and I think it was the reason why I did this and like, you know, was excited about it was because I had this, you know, family that that was all that was what we did like ever since right. i was a kid just doing like fun experiments just for fun and and messing around so like we like turned the heat up in my house to like 28 degrees because bacteria grows better in heat yeah and like we had like all these vats of kombucha concoction everywhere. Right. like it was just ridiculous right so no. this is me at 14 and then i went on to win my school fair and then i went on to win my regional fair and then i went on to go to canada-wide science fair um at 14 years old and i was awarded with bronze which that's is like crazy. Amazing, right? no, that's incredible. Yeah. And so I think that what was awesome about Science Fair was that was the first time that I um, was I, I practiced being a science communicator. And I loved that. You know, this was explaining like this very strange science fair project to a group of adults that have like PhDs and had and, no, I- and no idea really know what, what you were talking and I'm, about. Like, yeah. I'm 14 explaining this to them. And it just was very empowering to do that and to be able to break you know, complex material down into something that's digestible for anybody of all ages. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. And I, and I felt like I was really good at it. Um, so and I think that that's a little bit about why I decided to go into medicine. And we can totally like chat about that a little bit later yeah. on. Because um, that's kind of what doctors do. Like, it is. Every day. Every, every day yeah. uh, telling patients, kind of digesting it for them, making it an easy way to understand. It's not too complex and doesn't worry them too much. I feel like with doctors as well, um, it's so important to find a balance in between being a people person, having those communication skills, mm-hmm. and as well as being academically driven and smart and intelligent and being able to um, put those two together. And that's what creates the best doctors so that you can do the best of both worlds. Because if you're just incredibly smart and you don't really have those communication skills, it makes it really hard to digest that material. And the fact that you got that experience so early on, mm-hmm. I definitely it would develop into amazing skills that you would use later in your career totally so that's amazing what about like the academic side of say middle school or um like high school science I know that you loved being outdoors and stuff but did you ever find science difficult for you or it was just pure like passion and interest so you- um <laughs> that's a good question yeah no i think it was definitely challenging like i think in mm-hmm. my later 11 and 12 years like science definitely became 
it wasn't just about like being curious anymore exactly. like you kind of had yeah. to study <laughs> like learn things mm-hmm. uh that were that were very complicated so yeah no i think that i think that science for sure was tricky but i think what drove me to do it and do it well and get it and spend the time was because i loved it and that right. was because of my formative experiences and i think that that was what kind of kept me going forward well, and that's so important too, is especially med school in a whole, even if you don't understand very well or you fail a midterm or a test or anything like that, but you put the work in to understand that material for yourself mm-hmm. because you feel it's best to know that and it would better you as a student and as a doctor in the future. That is super important as well because I feel like um, sometimes you can be super smart and gifted and just have that natural academic ability Mm -hmm. but also learning those skills to be able to understand something and work towards developing the skills to understand something that you didn't before is so is so important as well because the world is constantly evolving you need those skills to attack yeah uh, new things just like just like COVID, for yeah, example. Yeah, it's so, so true. I think one thing that, that was different in terms of when I entered medical school versus when I started uh, my first and second year at Queen's was mm-hmm. um, the change in focus of why I was studying this material. So in, in right. pre-med, it's very much GPA-centered and very yeah. much, you know, performance on tests and midterms and exams mm-hmm. and projects. And I think that that isn't always a great motivator for people. It's just a stressful motivator for it people. It is, yeah. Totally. I can um, that. And then in medical school, one thing that is different is that medical school is pass or fail. Right. So you only need to get 60% in everything that you do, all the tests and stuff. And so it, it kind of removes that element of striving for like a 95% average. Yeah, exactly. And it That's focuses a little that. bit more on, you know, why am I learning this? And I'm learning this because I don't want to miss it in a patient. And I'm learning this because I want to make sure I can identify it in someone and I can explain it to them properly and I get it. So I think it it, it changes your motivations of why you want to learn something, I guess, for the greater good of somebody else than you. <laughs> no, exactly. That, that is, that's really interesting to learn because I didn't know that before. And I find I'm experiencing that right now in my third sure. year of my life sci undergraduate degree where it's all about tests. It's not really about whether you understand that information it's more about how the test is formulated how much time you get and it's just a constant kind of clock Mm -hmm. it's not so much um whether you fully understand that material and you have it developed it's more of let's see your test taking skills type of thing and it's it's good that med school is not about that yeah so that's awesome but it's a tricky part i think just getting there right like you have to Mm -hmm. go to the mcat and casper and pre-med courses so it's it's it, there's a lot of hurdles i think but i mean i wish that all of post-secondary could be pass or fail because i think people would be so much more driven to learn what they're learning for the sake of learning it not just not for, for a grade or your gpa or yeah. yeah no i completely agree that's really important what about i guess kind of talking about your path we can start at the beginning of when you were graduating from high school and you applied to the QRMS program. Do you mm-hmm. want to talk? Let's talk about that experience yeah, for and sure. how that went. Totally. Um, so in grade 12, uh, and, I, and I knew that I, I wanted to go into STEM. Like mm-hmm. I, I knew all along in high school that STEM was going to be something that I yeah. did. I just didn't know what. And I think we do a really good job in high school of grooming bright, intelligent, high-performing students to think that if you're good at math, you should be an engineer. Mm-hmm. And if you're good at English and writing, you should be a lawyer. And if you're good at science, you should be a doctor. And I and I very much felt that. I didn't really feel like I had much opportunity to explore, you know, other careers in STEM. 
that maybe could have fit me. Yeah, because everyone kind of only talks about those main, high-paying, well-recognized jobs when there's so many out there Mm -hmm. and there is a fit for everyone. It's just whether or not you've been exposed to it at a young age. Uh, In our first podcast that we did this year, we were talking with Lisa, the wise president for 2020 to 2021, and she was talking about her whole experience and how she... um, felt like she was so pressured to go into medicine and to go into that science STEM field to become a doctor or those very uh, high paying and highly recognized jobs when she finally figured out and she was exposed to the other realms that Mm -hmm. there is. And that's really important to recognize too. But I definitely feel like in high school, it's it's very much surrounded. And like by you're that. 17, yeah. you know, like you're 17 years old, like making so these young. choices. Yeah. I know, and like you have so much more to figure out about yourself. I think, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of that happens in undergrad, yeah, and beyond undergrad, but in undergrad. And so the advice that I got from my family, which I think is like the best advice that I will give to anyone that I meet for the rest of my life, is when you're picking a post secondary program, you got all you need to do is pick a city, a school, and a place you're gonna love. Yeah, that's it. That's it. At, like that you think you're gonna love at that time because if you you know just kind of pivot what you think you should do based on what everyone else has told you like mm-hmm. you're just you're not gonna be happy and I think you have so much to figure out about yourself at that time too so if you could just pick somewhere that you think you're gonna thrive it'll all make more sense exactly you want to pick somewhere that you're comfortable with that isn't too uh far from home if that's something yeah. important to you you also want to pick somewhere like you said that you absolutely love being in that city you love the environment mm-hmm. of the university versus going to the top university in Canada. Totally. And yeah, that's that's amazing advice. And I think I personally followed that advice when I came to Queens because everyone was like, you'd never, you'd never been there. You don't know if you like it or not. And I was unsure of coming here because I, I had never visited. But when I got into Queens, it just, it felt right. Yeah. And I knew that I'd always wanted to go here. And no matter what I ended up taking or what I had applied for, um, I just knew I'd love it here. So, so I'm glad that I, you I took trust that your advice. Gut. Yeah, yeah in totally. The beginning without even knowing. It's so for true. Sure. But no, so that was one of that was that was a big piece of advice that my parents had offered me when I was applying to, mm-hmm. to post secondary, and I applied to several different um, science programs across the country. QRMs being one of them. Right. Um, but I really didn't know, like, I didn't have anybody, any family members or friends in medicine, like whatsoever. So again, my mom's an entomologist and right. my dad's in the food service industry. So very different backgrounds, oh, yeah. both that, you know, I think equally contributed into the person that I am today. Um, but I was of no means a person that, you know, had like a mentor at age four that was like, I'm going to be a doctor or exactly. just like you. And yeah. I grew up, I totally didn't have that. Um, but again, like I, medicine was kind of on my radar because in high school, people were just like, oh, you're really good at like math and science. You should consider medicine. Uh, so I, I applied to QRMs totally on a whim, like totally on a whim. Just I remember thinking, I'm happened. like, yeah. this is ridiculous. There's like no chance that they're even going to like look at me. Um and I, and I was, like, not expecting at all anything more than just applying to QRMs. Right. And then I was offered an interview, and I was like, okay, this is this is the real deal. I got to, yeah. like, prep for this. Like, I can't believe I'm even interviewing here. And I remember interviewing, and it went, like, I thought it went horribly. And I remember the people that were there, they were so well accomplished. Like, I was interviewing with people that, like, had been going to private school in Toronto since they were, like... Right, had been kind of conditioned totally to go into that type of field. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and like, like it looked like on paper they had absolutely everything that this program would wanted, and like on a silver platter, there was these people for them, and then there was me. (laughs) 
<laughs> like I remember um one of the people was like oh um what's your second choice if you don't get into QRMs and I was like oh like I'm not sure like maybe McMaster like I'm interested in UBC he's like oh cool like mine's Harvard or Stanford and I was like oh <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, so anyway, so I thought the interview went really poorly, but I guess it didn't. And and I was accepted and I, I, I couldn't believe it. And I think That's to this crazy. day- That's crazy. That must have been such a good Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> it was uh, to this day, like I, I still remember like the shoes I was wearing when I like got the call yeah. looking at my feet. Yeah. Anyways, um, I think a lot of it was the hard work that I did, you know, in high school to like prep me and put me in a position mm-hmm. to be competitive for the program. But I think so much of it was luck. So much of it was luck. And I think that that can't go unmentioned. Um, you know, when you're interviewing with 39 other people that are like extremely high performing, I'm sure that all 40 of us would have been just fine for this program. And for some reason they picked me and I'll never know. <laughs> well, but- obviously you sound like an incredibly intelligent woman and <laughs> you have explained your environment, um, growing up and everything that you were surrounded by. And I think that that's very important. That might've been what had set you aside is that you weren't, um, directly conditioned to go into medicine mm-hmm. it was just something that you thought would fill yourself natural that, almost yeah it was very natural and you weren't being pushed to do that and maybe that's what the interviews yeah. the interviewers <laughs> saw in you and who knows yeah no that's a great quality so that that's awesome such an amazing yeah. accomplishment and i'm so happy like i want and i remember being nervous when i i, I was months later after all mm-hmm. the excitement kind of passed and I was I realized that okay this is like like I'm literally signing up for my career at 17 it's a little nerve-wracking like that I was like man like you're I don't, start, you're I don't basically know starting your life yeah right? yeah so. Totally. so it was definitely stressful I think in the first few months when I started my first year of QRM so I was like god like I really hope this is for me because I feel like I can't let anybody down now like I'm, I'm here and right. but now I know a hundred and fifty percent this is this is totally the right career for me and it's like I love it it's so rewarding and I'm so early on and my training exactly and no and that's perfect it i can see you glowing when you're talking about it <laughs> and that's exactly what you want you want someone that's passionate and that makes you a great fit for the program what about did you have to take the mcat and casper to get into no or? i didn't so i i guess i can talk a little bit about like what mm-hmm. the structure of the qrms program is um so again the queen's accelerated route to medical school program is uh, a six-year program total okay it's for 10 canadian high school students across the country that apply in their grade 12 year um and so basically what you do is a two-year undergraduate degree at queen's i don't have a bsc like i didn't get my degree right um basically i just transitioned in my supposed to have been third year of undergrad into my first year of, of medicine at queen's um so my first year i took a variety of just general science courses chem biophysics mm-hmm. math um and then in my second year i was an english major because we were allowed to pick any major that we wanted right. for our last yeah. year and most of my my most of my colleagues in my cohort went on and did either life sciences or or a psych degree or a biology major but i was like honestly i am never going to have like the opportunity to take english classes or intro to indigenous studies or a geography course like like ever again in my entire life so i'm just gonna do it it. yeah Yeah. i just did it and it was it was so awesome because it was (laughs) i was surrounded by people that were not in stem backgrounds at all that were like totally the opposite so i learned a lot from them and i got to work on like being a really good writer and a really Mm -hmm. good communicator not just a science communicator but a communicator in general yeah totally which is so important in medicine um and i loved it it was so much fun like i didn't have to write tons of exams and midterms it was a lot of like essay writing and reading and critical thinking and I think that that is and that it's honestly just as important yeah. because you'd already taken those 
prerequisites that were recommended, but that kind of separates you away from the group and you have that experience and just kind of the different things that you had learned in these other classes, like introduction to Indigenous studies, you must have learned so much there that makes you much more well-rounded in the field. And I feel like because uh, in medicine, being a doctor, you're surrounded by so many different environments, so many different people from different backgrounds, so many different situations, Mm -hmm. and kind of having that not random knowledge, but that different knowledge that's not directly STEM based is really important. Yeah, it, it can help people you. People are humans. Like yeah. you need humanities. Exactly. You know? And I it wish that all I wish that science. everybody could do that. Yeah. But I think the unfortunate reality is that pre med is very, very competitive. Applying to medical school yeah. is very, very competitive. And I think we're now in this I think it's a little bit of a crisis because I think that every person that wants to go into medicine feels that they have to do like a pure STEM route. Yeah. It's so uncommon to see someone that did a philosophy degree or an English degree mm-hmm. or whatnot. And I think that those people are equal, equally amazing candidates to to go into medicine too. No, exactly. Well, it's kind of going back to that conditioning that we learned earlier. Everyone totally. thinks that that's exactly what you need to do, but not necessarily. And there is many people that have gone into med school that do not have that STEM background. Mm-hmm. So definitely uh, to anyone listening, if you're <laughs> considering on applying to med school, I don't think you have to surround yourself with purely STEM courses. Totally. Definitely I think it makes you a well-rounded candidate too. Like you yeah. have a lot of perspective to share that is unique and comes from, you know, a background that isn't traditional STEM because I think that you can learn a lot from taking a philosophy course. You can no, exactly. And too. it's something different than you've yeah. taken before. It just... But then the trouble is you have to write the MCAT and the mm-hmm. MCAT is organic chemistry and biology and all the other science courses. And so it's difficult to study for that exam and do well on that exam if you don't have that degree. Exactly. And you don't kind of have that background of the mm-hmm. classes. That that definitely makes it a lot harder. So I think yeah. that I think another thing that... I was really fortunate and grateful for was that I was able to have that flexibility to, mm-hmm. to do an English major, you know, because of this, I, I was almost guaranteed a spot into medicine. Yeah. So I didn't have to worry about writing my MCAT and performing well on that because I had already kind of bypassed that that hurdle. So I had the flexibility to just take a course because I wanted to and because mm-hmm. I was interested in it, not because I wanted to get a high GPA in it. Um, and so I wish that more pre-meds were offered that opportunity and that was an option for them. I think that that's something that we could do better in Canada. Yeah, I, I completely agree school. because I find that a lot of pre-med programs don't give a lot of leeway to have that opportunity, like maybe potentially one elective mm-hmm. that's not in your field. And that it's unfair because you're at university, you're paying for this degree, yeah. you want to diversify your knowledge and you want to learn really? as much as you can. And it would be great if kind of the system could shift a bit more to allow pre-med students or anyone kind of going into the STEM field to step out of that comfort zone of science and go into the other fields because it's so important to learn that new information. It's true because I think it challenges yourself in a different way. (laughs) I completely agree. Okay, so to talk about next, as you are in medical school right now, Mm -hmm. what are you kind of thinking you want to do in the future? What side of medicine? What type of physician? Yeah, for sure. Um, So when I started my first year in QRMs, I was like almost positive that I was going to be a family doctor. I was mm-hmm. like, I I love what family doctors do. 
they're science commuters, like communicators all day long. Like this yeah. is totally for me. Um, but I, I did, you know, give myself the opportunity for like the last two years to explore other specialties mm-hmm. in medicine. Just because I wanted to see, set on that. Yeah, one. exactly. Yeah. I wanted to see kind of what was out there. Um, so I did, I did observerships in everything from like general surgery to anesthesia, uh, obstetrics and gynecology, um, family medicine. And I did some emergency medicine okay. and I loved it. It was like, so much fun i would every time i would leave an emerge shift i was like super jazzed and like like ready for more couldn't wait to go back for the next shift. adrenaline uh, yeah, yeah like it was just and i i just loved the fast-paced environment i loved the people that i was working with like i just totally felt like i found my people and niche in medicine because there's very much like niches i think in specialties like yeah there is for sure yeah everyone kind of has their different little group and um different interests totally um so it's important to kind of find those people that you really relate to and kind of the same thing sparks them as it sparks you. Totally. So. Yeah, yeah. So um, so Emerge just felt like it was kind of my people and like mm-hmm. my scene. Um, so I did more observerships in Emerge and every single time I left, I was like, this is like, I love this so much. This is so much fun. This is definitely going to be it. Yeah. yeah. So I think it was a combination of a few things. The fast-paced environment, like I said, the people. Um, I loved that, you know, it was a variety of patients. I didn't really know, like, who was going to be coming through the Emerge. Like, it could be anyone from a six-month-old to an 89-year-old to mm-hmm. a 45-year-old, anything. And something you don't know minor, what you're... Something minor, something severe. Yeah, yeah, totally. Exactly. That also, too. Like, it's sometimes it's, you know, a really chill day in Emerge, and a lot of it is, like, pretty, like, non-acute things. And sometimes it's really, really busy and stressful. And But I liked that. I didn't really know what I was walking into. Yeah, you like that variety, kind of everyday being different. Totally. And that's, I think, why at Family Medicine I was interested in as well, because you do have that, you know, variety of patient population. You do have lots of different mm-hmm. things that you you care for. Um, but I liked the acuity, I think, in Emerge. Um, and then another piece is I'm also really interested in addiction medicine. And I think that a lot of patients uh, that have addictions present to the Emerge as kind of like their first point into the healthcare system, their first yeah. You know, yeah. place that they've ever been because a lot of them don't have family doctors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I love the idea of you know me being the first person to see someone who's accessing the healthcare for the healthcare system for the first time. I think that that and motivate them to get that help and yeah, and totally, mm-hmm. yeah. So I think that that's a a little bit of of why I'm interested in emerge, but it's hard to to know for sure, I guess, because I haven't done my clinical rotations yet, which start in January. So oh, okay. I think I have a I'll have a little bit more experience in other fields, which may kind of sway Which you in a way. sway you one way mm-hmm. or the other for sure but, and what about kind of your say you were to go into emergency medicine what would your lifestyle look like would you kind of be working a shift schedule would you be working yeah totally yeah. Um, so it's a shift schedule, totally right. like like you said, uh, which is pretty unique for, for compared to most specialties because a mm-hmm. lot of specialties have clinics and uh, they run, you know, Monday to Friday. Um, but a lot of the times, you know, clinics are really busy and they you know have to stay hours longer and see their patients and finish right. their charting and notes. So um, there is a little bit of structure in, you know, clinical specialties, but sometimes it takes a little bit longer to you know, finish your day up. Um, And with emergency medicine, it's it's shift work. So I I think, I'm not 100% sure, but I think that a full-time emerge uh, schedule is 16 shifts a month and they're eight-hour shifts. Um, So you'll usually work about three to four days a week and um, and then you have the rest of the time off. So you you know your schedule in advance and I think that that's another thing that's very appealing to me because I love the idea that I can kind of know what the upcoming week looks like for me ahead and I can kind of plan my life around that because i think when you have kids especially like having you know advanced planning is key is key and you want to hold on to being able to have a life outside of the hospital and 
that's so important because Mm -hmm. if you value family time and your friendships and all of those going on new experiences, you have to be able to kind of fit that time in there, but also being able to pursue your career and still continue to be passionate about it without it taking over your life. So So that's great that you get uh, the opportunity to kind of have the best of both both. worlds. Yeah. Yeah. It's so important. Just like you said, like, I want to be a good doctor, but I want to be a good mom and like a good wife and a good person to my family members too you know and no, you need exactly. to it keeps you well you have to be able to have make space and carve time mm-hmm. out of that out of your work schedule to do the things you love to do and I think that um working in in, in an environment that I have you know a set idea of when I'm going to be working and when I'm not going to be working kind of allows me that opportunity to like be there to pick my kids up from soccer exactly and you know. not miss their experiences totally. and everything that's such an important part of growing up mm-hmm. I find that for myself, sometimes I'll get too wrapped up in school and sometimes I just need to take a step back and decide, you know what, let's go on a walk. Yeah. Let's go hang out with your housemates for a little bit. It's completely okay to do and I feel like some people get re- really worried and mm-hmm. especially in the STEM field, there's that conditioning I'm coming back to again, but you're constantly thinking that you are you have to study 24-7 and you have to keep going. You have to keep reviewing. But it's so important to take breaks for yourself and yeah. for your mental health. You're going to burn out otherwise. Exactly. And it's important for your degree and how you'll do on mm-hmm. in everything academically because you need that good mental health in order to keep totally. yourself going and to keep yourself motivated so that you don't burn out. Yeah, have you ever true. experienced I haven't. Bur- I haven't experienced like I, – I maybe you know that. For sure I have. But I mean like like true – profound burnout and Mm -hmm. i think that profound burnout is a very very common thing uh amongst many many physicians across the country um and it's it's i think that i find that our medical school is doing a really great job at you know promoting uh wellness and physician wellness to keep people okay because you're right you know taking a walk taking a weekend like just taking the night is it's so needed like you you can't be go 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 constantly all the time because you will burn out and then and I don't want to burn out because I I love what I do so far and I and I love you know the the patients that I see and and the time I spend in in medicine I don't want to burn out for them so no exactly and you also value your time with your friends and your family and new experiences and you want to make sure you can still do those things you don't want your career to completely take over that factor yeah because in the end it like family friends experiences it's what life is all about. It's true. A career is so incredibly important and it's so important to be passionate about it. But there's always there's always kind of the two factors I find that when people talk about when you grow up, you kind of have that lifestyle and then you have your home life and everything like that. And it's so important to have both. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And it's so important, I think, to pick a career that you're going to be okay with lifestyle, you know? Exactly. Like if you are super passionate about surgery, that's so awesome. But you have to be like super okay with waking up at like 4 a.m every yeah. day and like sometimes you need to stay like you know super 16 late. hour days because your surgery is going late but if you love surgery that much that's awesome that's totally for exactly. you exactly it's not for me <laughs> and if you're that type of person who really enjoys surgery and you kind of love that adrenaline of operating i feel like most surgeons probably they still have a life Outside of that, they definitely learned to be able to balance that. It's kind of just a different realm of it in the sense of how much time you're in the hospital. Totally. Totally. so incredible yes important. i don't mean to say that surgeons have no life <laughs> oh no but that's i just not mean like no 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 you know yeah. i just mean it's, yeah. you gotta be okay with waking up early and, and having long days and no it's, it's just mornings. a complete it's it's unknown mm-hmm. their schedule mm-hmm. so 
And just like with eMERGE, like you have to be okay with, you know, sometimes like a patient will come in and they're coding and like you're not going to be able to save them and you have to be okay with that, that, you know, you did everything you could, but it wasn't enough. So there's there's definitely pros and cons of every single specialty in in medicine. You just got to figure out the one that the pros weigh out the cons for you. Exactly. I also love the opinion that you can be happy in a couple different things. Yeah. Like, I think if I went into family medicine, I would be just as happy as if I went into emergency medicine. Like, I mm-hmm. think my life would, like, I would just make my life what I wanted to be, make my career what I, you know, what felt right for me. Exactly. And I have a friend and her dad is a orthopedic surgeon and he started off being a family doctor, did it for three or four years, absolutely hated it. Yeah. And so then he went back into surgery and did his training there and it's all about trial and error. It's mm-hmm. all about finding out what you love. And now he loves that he does that. And he has a great lifestyle. Yeah. And that's really important too. So you totally. just have to find what's best find your people. for you. Yeah. yeah. Find your people. Find the thing you love. Like you just, you, you got to be okay with waking up for it and, and doing it every single day. And mm-hmm. yeah. Anyways. No, that's <laughs> very important. So regarding COVID-19, how has that affected your med school experience? Kind of what has it hindered? Mm-hmm. Has anything been halted? Yeah, so just like every other Queen's student, uh, last March we were pulled from the last couple months of school. Right. Um, so we did the last two months of second year online remotely from home. Um, and then we had our summer as it was always planned. Um, and then in October, originally, without a pandemic, we would have been starting our clinical rotation. So we rotate through each specialty for six weeks at a time. Okay. Um, and so that was halted until January. So for the last four months we've been doing kind of online virtual learning reviewing the last Just couple reviewing, of years yeah, yeah a lot of review i mean like it's they, they, they're definitely they've told us that we're going to be more prepared because we've had more time to review the last two years mm-hmm. compared to traditional consolidate everything yeah totally um but I'm just, I'm, I'm ready to change it up there, a bit and yeah. stop being on Zoom for so many yes, hours. I know. I'm so regarding clinical rotation, when you go in there, you're in the same specialty for six weeks. You obviously see patients. Yeah. And what, do you know what the type of learning experience is that you'll yeah, have Yeah, a little there? bit. A little bit, for sure. I have like a little bit of insight into to what it's like. So um, you're, you get assigned with uh, an attending staff physician okay. uh, and then you kind of follow them around for the day or the afternoon or morning um, with their list of patients and you go see the patient yourself and kind of do like a full history and physical and kind of get a sense of what the scoop is and what's going on with them and then Mm -hmm. go back to your staff physician do a case presentation about what your thoughts are what your what your plan is what you're thinking about and then the two of you go in together and um work through the next steps for them so it's a little bit of a kind of simple it'll be such an interesting um learning curve but a very positive one to definitely go from just studying yeah and learning about all of that is there a course in in med school that kind of goes over like patient interaction or is it all science-based yeah yeah, yeah there totally is it's like the best one uh yeah. it's clinical skills Most, okay <laughs> yeah so starting in first year like literally like day two of for, like first year of medicine um we start our clinical skills and it's like it's very stressful in the beginning so mm-hmm. we have standardized patients that come to the school of medicine and they're volunteer patients from the the community um, and we practice like doing histories on them and learn how to like do a full cardiac exam or a lung exam or an abdominal exam. Uh, and this this carries on like for like the full two years of our pre-clerkship or pre. Wow. Um, so you're really getting that. Oh, yeah. Experience. Yeah. And yeah. that's, I think, one thing that Queens does like a phenomenal a job uh, with our clinical skills program. Our like clerks, clerks are the students that are in third year that go in the rotations. OK. okay. Um, clerks are very well prepared in terms of their 
clinical skills because of and of having that background you're not kind of just going yeah, from yeah. It's, it's two stressful. years of studying and just looking yeah, at a textbook yeah, yeah. or from lectures into going into interacting with patients it's, it's so much about like developing rapport and knowing mm-hmm. how to you know have good by- bedside manner okay so what about after med school how do you apply to residency how do you get that formality mm-hmm. of being a doctor how does that process work yeah for sure um so it's a little bit uncertain i guess with the Mm -hmm. pandemic because there's there's a lot of uh things that are still up in the air for for our graduating year um so after the four years of medical school in the fall of your fourth year um you apply to carms which is the canadian residency matching system okay so residency is basically the post medical school training that you do in the specific specialty that you want to pursue. That so in my it. case, yeah. if I decided in the end that I wanted to do emergency medicine, I would apply to um, CARMS through to emergency medicine across the country. Right. So I'd apply to several different eMERGE programs all across Canada. Um, and then it's very complicated, but the CARMS system, it's like a database that like matches you with a program. To, like you you get matched yeah, to a program. Yeah, like a very it's very complicated. It's a specific process. Yes, yeah, it's, sure. so you do interviews at each of the sites that you're interested in applying to and then they rank you and you rank them and then the, the system kind of matches you. That's cool. It's that very you, cool. That it's not just them ranking you, you also get a rank. And yours and yeah. we've been told that your rank matters more than their rank. Oh, so if wow. you really want to be yeah. in Ottawa for example, then if Ottawa liked you enough and you loved Ottawa, you're more likely to to get into Ottawa get but anyways it's a very complicated process but no one really <laughs> understands the full details of it um but with uh, with the pandemic mm-hmm. um there's a little bit of uncertainty around whether or not our class will be allowed to do electives which is basically traveling to other places across the country to do like a two-week elective in especially that you're right interested to see in if you to. like that hospital totally. if you like that city yeah just so, so we're a little bit unsure if if that's even going to be an option for us which will make applying to residency tricky because it'll be hard to know where do I want to go exactly and then you know what we have to do we have to go back to my parents advice of pick a city place in school that you think you'll love exactly (laughs) always going back to that fundamental advice that's perfect well you don't want to just go somewhere because the hospital was the fanciest or anything like that you have to choose that environment that you enjoy the most totally city so are you thinking you want to stay in Ottawa then um, I don't know. No, I just think as an example. But I'm not yeah. sure. I'm really interested in the UBC program. Okay. Um, I, I love Kingston, so I'd, I'd be really happy to, to stay here too for, for longer. Um, there's no program in emergency medicine in Sudbury, so I don't okay. think I'd go back home. Um, I am interested in Ottawa as well, but... I'll you don't know. Well, you, you have the time to figure it it's out. True. And, and hopefully we have electives so that it'll help mm-hmm. us out a little bit more. And that interview process, I feel like, will kind of narrow things down for you a bit and you'll be able to rank them and see how they rank you and what the best fit is based on the system and sounds very sophisticated so i feel like they got it figured out yeah (laughs) but no it'll all be okay and i know that you know it's not just queen's medicine that's on this boat it's every single medical student from canada exactly so they're gonna make it work it's gonna be they will they have to yes exactly all right so i kind of want to talk about how like the history of women in medicine Mm -hmm. and how Based on your experience, how do you view um, women in medicine today compared to the amount of men in medicine? Totally. What has been your experience with that? Yeah. Um, so I've been really excited to see that more and more women are, are entering the medical mm-hmm. field. And I think that medicine is very quickly becoming a female dominant specialty, which yeah. I'm so excited to see. Ah, you love to it's see awesome. it. It's um, awesome. Yeah. My QRM's cohort is 10 women. Wow. Yeah. So it's 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 very, very exciting. Um to see the amount of women that are coming into medicine. It's long overdue, too. It Historically, is. Historically, you know, there was no place for women in medicine, period. 
Um, and it's been awesome to see that even more so women entering leadership positions, which has been super exciting too. I'm part of the uh, National Association for Emergency Physicians Women in Medicine Committee. And we just congratulated Dr. Kirsten Johnson, who is the new president of the entire organization. And wow. she's the third female to ever be the, the, the president of the organization since 1978. So wow, it's like a big win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really optimistic. And I think that we're headed in the right direction. For sure. It's so important to have that diversity and see how the world has kind of evolved mm-hmm. into accepting women into medicine and how um, powerful and knowledgeable they are. Because totally. there isn't really, there's always that stereotype going on about um, male doctors versus female doctors. And it's it's not relevant. Mm-hmm. It really has nothing to do mm-hmm. with that. It's true. And like some of the best doctors that I've ever had personally and, and met have been women. And I think we need more of them. Exactly. Well, and it looks like we're going to get more of them and you're going to be one of them. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that's that's very exciting. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in to our second WISE podcast of the year. I hope you all enjoyed learning about QRMs and listening to a perspective from a future doctor. Follow the WISE Instagram account for weekly WISE Wednesday posts featuring powerful women in STEM. There's many different stories and perspectives highlighted on the account. Featured posts include Dr. Aman Abouzid, which discusses her inspiring journey in the medical field. Tune in for the next podcast. Thank you, everyone.